This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. I kind of hope to have a major announcement today, but that's going to wait till next week. But I'll tell you what, it's just simply routine awesomeness as we'll be joined by Fred White, Breakdown Tennessee's Camp as eight days, eight days. That's uh, Andy Kelly. And if you're watching on a Saturday, I guess it'd be seven or six. So I'll let you do that. Uh, thinking for yourself as far as popular jersey numbers. How excited are you? This is the last weekend you won't have Tennessee football. And you do have some football, so we're going to have some uh, picks. And we've got a lot to get to. David said this needs to be a three-hour show. Love it. We're working on that as well. Goodness gracious, David. We'd love to do that, and we probably are fairly close to that. But we've got a breakdown of the biggest – takeaways from fall camp for the falls that means a little bit of arian carter squirrel white the pass rush and tennessee's offensive line out of those three three positive one negative i'm gonna be honest with you this best game winning celebrations we'll talk to fred white as it's a football friday with fred you got a spanish coach uh kissing a player so uh i don't know it's what's the craziest celebration that fred's been a part of I'm going to guess he hasn't kissed any of his teammates. 
And also, LSU suspends a player because of pre-NIL improper benefits. What does that mean? And picks by Caleb Calhoun. Caleb's calls coming up later in the program. Here we go, Mr. Calhoun. We've got a lot going on, and in a good way. Unlike maybe Donald Trump yesterday, we've got good stuff going on, and we're excited for the program. It's hard to believe you you prepare for it, you get ready for it, and a week from today it'll be even more like that, but it just seems as if uh, it takes so long to get to football season. I had a friend who went to a preseason game last night, um, you've got Navy and Notre Dame in Ireland. It's, it's practically here next week is, is obviously the big weekend, but feels good. Feels good. How you feeling, Caleb? Well, I was feeling great, but then, um, I saw a video yesterday that my Titans drafted a quarterback and Will Levis who puts mayonnaise in his coffee. And J- yes, you just saw that yesterday. I didn't know he did that. Yeah. Apparently oh, you didn't hear that was from I think SEC Media Days, maybe 2020, 2021. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no, I know. He he does that. He loves it. Loves a little mayonnaise in the coffee. I'm the one that I don't think that's as crazy as you might think. Because you're just talking about fat and cream that you add to coffee. So if you like cream, I was the only person that didn't think that was as insane. I it doesn't mean I I have my coffee here. It doesn't mean there's mayonnaise in it, nor mustard, nor ketchup, nor anything else. But I didn't find it as crazy insane as most people did, because most people just absolutely flew off the chain when that came out. That was a that was a big thing. I'm surprised you hadn't heard that. Totally missed it. Totally, totally missed it. And yeah, I'm even madder now. Okay. Malik Wilson. Right. <laughs> I'm already more upset that we have Will Levis as our quarterback. It was already bad enough, and now he puts mayonnaise in his coffee. All right, here we go. We're going to lead it off with, uh, the. I think, the biggest question heading into game week, and that deals with Tennessee's quarterback situation. And no, I am not going to refer to Nico. Oh, Nico. Ia Male Abba. I'm not going to refer to him. This has to do with the quarterback that we know is going to start. And a look back to last year when Tennessee had one of its greatest quarterback performances in the history of the program. So here we go. Today's tough question brought to you by Zen Sports. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Will Joe Milton match Hendon Hooker's success? Let me get a yay, nay on the message board, guys. Tell me what you think and your thoughts. By the way, if you're watching on Twitter, you can comment there. It's a great way to interact, and we will respond to you. So uh, we're almost in game week. We want to hear from you. Will Joe Milton match Hendon Hooker's success? I feel very strongly about this and this question. But let me start with you, Caleb Calhoun. Will Joe Milton match Hendon Hooker's success? Before we get into your answer, how would you define that? Is that wins? Is that yards? Is that completion percentage? 
what all is that? Because Hendon Hooker was successful basically in every category you can imagine, with the exception of staying healthy throughout the season, and that was out of his control. So what do you define his success as last year? I think the most important stats are touchdown to turnover ratio, and that includes running and passing touchdowns and interceptions and fumbles. I think you got to throw those in. And then... I didn't know that was a stat yet, but I like it. I think it should. Dave, we got to invent that stat. Me and no, you. I'm, no, really. You, I mean, I didn't. At our 345 AM production meeting, you didn't bring that up, but I'm all for that. So, yes. Yeah, that's fantastic. And then my other one is yards per attempt slash carry. So the number of yards, a, a combination the number of yards you gain per carry when he runs the ball and the number of yards you gain yards you gain per attempt when you throw the ball and combine those. And if that's higher than Hendon Hooker's last year, I, mean, I just made up two stats, guys. I made them up because I'm just a genius like that. But uh, if if you go with those two stats and they are better than Hendon Hooker's last year, then it would be a better season. Now, Joe Milton in mop-up duty – did have a better touchdown to interception ratio than Hendon Hooker. I don't know if you guys know this. Joe Milton still hasn't thrown a pick since he's been at Tennessee. He threw 10 touchdowns and no interceptions last year. Granted, all in mop-up duty, but he did start the Orange Bowl, and he started the first two games of 2021, and he still hasn't thrown a pick. And he averaged 11, nearly 12 yards in attempt. I think with all of those things, he's going to not match Hendon Hooker's production, but he's going to be close. And I think he's going to be close because – I. I don't think he's going to match it largely because I think Josh Heupel is going to run it a little bit differently. He's not going to call as many deep balls for Milton as he did for Hooker. He's going to have Hooker, he's going to have Milton kind of work the field a little more. So I think just by that very nature, his numbers will be a little bit down, but he'll still be highly efficient. So you're saying not as successful. Um, I'm going to weigh in on that. I want to remind you that today's tough question today brought to you by Zen Sports. Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get. With their cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash. For a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the code HOOKED. That's HOOKED, H-O-O-K-E-D. That's right, unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that and refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Here's what the message board says before we get to my answer. It is Rocky Top Tom said he'll exceed if the offensive line can get their act together. So not a definitive answer there, and I don't know that they have or haven't. Uh, I'm kind of optimistic based off what Joey Halsley said yesterday, and we can get into that, Um, and we will with Fred. Different but successful. Determining success, according to Dan, success is a playoff. According to Travis, better running backs, better receivers. JoJo will exceed hook uh sc scout guy says i don't think he will be as successful he will still have a very good solid season so here's where i am on this i'm kind of a, a, along the uh, lines of what travis says 
I think more successful, and I'm determining that by wins, going against one of my stronger beliefs that the win-loss record should not be attached as a quarterback stat, okay? There's, you know, there's 21 other people on the field, and there's a lot of other players that come on the field, and uh, a quarterback has the greatest impact, but not the only impact. But I predicted them as making the college football playoff. So for me to sit here and say, that it's that's not more successful would be a little bit silly. So I I think it's more successful. I don't know that the stats will stack up and be as stellar because I think that Josh Heupel took some teams by surprise and took some coaches by surprise last year. They'll be more adept at handling that, but better running game, I think so. Better group of receivers when you talk about Cedric Tillman was injured for most of the year last year. So I'm going to go ahead and say that I don't um, I don't have any any way of arguing against more successful, because if you make the college football playoff, that is more successful. Caleb, your thoughts on that? As I remind everybody to hit like and subscribe, keep the comments coming and we want you to be a part of the program. We want to open it up to more listeners day in and day out. So, Caleb, I think I would be contradicting myself if I didn't say more successful. So you think more successful because he will have maybe not exactly on Hooker's level, but comparable stats to Hooker, and the team success will be a little bit better is where you're yes. at. Yes. So it's not like a perfect word. Yes. Right. Because it's not like like T. Martin, Tennessee was more successful in 98, but his stats were nowhere near Peyton Manning's in 97. It was like a different stratosphere. Not that T. Martin was bad. It's just the stats weren't close to what Peyton Manning did in 97. <laughs> and, well, and part and part of that, too, in all fairness, was they limited what T. Martin could do. And I know that speaking to him, he was frustrated during that season um, in 98 that he wasn't allowed to do more. So he didn't even have the opportunity to go out there and put up those type of stats. Not saying that he would have, Caleb, but he didn't, he didn't even have that opportunity from the get. Yeah, I knew they kept the harness on him through four or five games. And then really they ran out of – they didn't have a choice once Jamal Lewis got hurt. That's when kind of they were like, okay, we got it. It was the second half, and I'd love to talk about to Fred when he's on about this, but I feel like it was the second half of the Georgia game where they just went, all right, let's go, T. And he that's when he kind of came into his own. Um, as far as Milton with this, one of the arguments – you, one of the things you said that I think would bolster your argument because I disagree with you on it is that you think he'll have a better season, even though teams may have at least they won't be as caught by surprise by Josh Heupel as they were last year, last year. Dave, I don't think Josh Heupel caught them by surprise last year because Josh Heupel was already there in 2021. Everybody saw the offense in 2021 and what it could become. And it's not like Nick Saban didn't see that offense and it didn't matter. He, he faced out, he faced Hendon hooker. He had already faced Hendon hooker. And it still didn't matter. Hendon Hooker torched his defense last year. So I'm not so sure hype will call people by surprise. Eh, well, I think it, the culture of Tennessee's program is what caught other teams by surprise. Jalen Hyatt, if, if not for a great culture, would have just faded into obscurity or transferred. So there were a lot of guys that elevated their play. So maybe not the actual scheme. Maybe they knew what he liked to run offensively. But the entire program taking a step up, you'd have to agree, took us by surprise, took the nation by surprise, right? Yeah, I, I think that Tennessee maybe, was a little. Maybe I'm thinking big picture more than just scheme. Well, we're, we're forgetting how 
look, we're forgetting how close last year could have been to almost being a repeat of 2021. Let's, I mean, Tennessee needed overtime to beat Pitt. The defense won that game more than the offense. They easily could have lost to Pitt, and they easily could have lost to Florida. And what are we talking about? A Tennessee's two and two going to LSU. If they are two and two going to LSU, Dave, I'm pretty sure they lose in Baton Rouge at that point because I feel like they feel like the season is not what they wanted out of it. So we're talking, but holding off Pitt and holding off Florida gave them exactly the momentum they needed going into a bye and then coming back to face LSU. I mean, look, let. What do you think, Dave? So they start six and zero after beating Alabama, but say they lose to Pitt and Florida early because they easily could have lost those games. So say it goes the other way and they lose those two games. Do you really think they're beating LSU and Alabama after that? I don't. Yeah, fair point. Um, the Pitt game was more of a turnaround game than we give it credit for. We want to look at SEC games and we look at it in retrospect and say, well, they could have lost to Pitt and still been in the running for the SEC championship. So that's not that big of a game. But as far as belief in the system, belief in the defense, no, that was that was a big-time deal. So who will finish as the Vols' biggest offensive weapon, Dylan Sampson, Jalen Wright, Squirrel White, or somebody else? That's the discussion we'll have right now. And I'm going to tell you the biggest offensive weapon because of his consistency and ability to move the chains. As much as I love Sampson, as much as I love Jalen Wright's ascension, and Squirrel White is a freak athlete. Samson, out of the group, may have had the best offseason of all of these guys. It's Brew McCoy. He's going to provide some big plays. He's going to be able to move the chain. Uh, as far as Jalen Wright, he's going to have to share carries with Jabari Small and Dylan Sampson, so we'll reference Samson as well. Squirrel White is going to provide more explosive plays. The guy that is going to make this thing go because he's going to be able to get jump balls. He's going to be able to create separation, even though he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's big, strong. He's going to get away with some pushes. It's Brew McCoy. He's Tennessee's biggest offensive weapon, and we haven't said his name enough in the offseason. I've thought it all along. It's kind of like a combination of an explosive receiver and a tight end that can move the chains. Think of him like that, because he's going to be impossible for a lot of cornerbacks to cover because he's so big and physical. And listen, you can get away with push-offs, and he's good at that because he keeps his hand low. You just can't go above the shoulders. That's the old rule. Nick Saban created that for defensive backs, and a lot of receivers use that as well. I'm taking Brew McCoy, and I feel confident. You? To quote a man who apparently has the body type of a wide receiver, wrong. <laughs> um, it's Squirrel White. And it's Squirrel White because of the chemistry he and Joe Milton had last year. I don't know if you noticed, but Squirrel White's the one guy in this uh, uh, in the country that can catch a Joe Milton overthrow. And there's going to be quite a few Joe Milton overthrows. So I think that's why Squirrel White is perfect for joe milton and he caught a lot of joe milton balls last year so i i i think because joe because joe milton is in there joe milton can actually let it fly and he doesn't really have to worry about timing it with his receiver because you know squirrel white's going to get to the ball so I, i'm going squirrel white now when we talked about a lot zachary mentions him dante thornton is going to be a beast i i zachary I would have said absolutely you're right two months ago, but I've heard so much talk on and off the record about Squirrel 
And I think there's a reason they rested uh, Jacob Warren throughout some of preseason camp. They didn't push him. That makes me think, even though we talked about they may go to four wide more often, I don't think that's going to be the case. So, Zachary, you could prove to be right, but it feels like to me that Dante Thornton is kind of on that second level of projected playmakers, Caleb. Um, I know you were high on Thornton, too. So, what is your take? Does, does it not have that feel a little bit? It does, and I go by potential. But, you know, we've talked a lot about Addison Nichols and Gerald Mincy in – I got to be critical of Thornton. If he's not in the rotation this year, it's a big indictment on him because he's got the build and the athleticism to be the, and playing in this system to be. And I told, I said this last December to be Kevin Durant joining golden state in the NBA. That's what I thought this was like. And if he doesn't emerge like that, it's a major indictment against him. I got to okay, be honest. But, okay. And that, could it be 50% indictment on him and 50% that Tennessee's receivers are just so darn good? They are. They are. But they, you would, if he was able to get into that rotation, they would go four wide more because that way Warren can take drives off and they don't have to worry about tight ends. But they're not doing that, is what you said. It seems like they're very committed to Warren staying on the field at least most of the time at tight end. They were really trying to keep him healthy in spring practice. I'm, I'm sorry, in fall camp. So that's... That's kind of a concern. Now, maybe we're reading way too much into this. I mean, again, this could be just one of those because Brew McCoy and Ramel Keaton will be gone next year. So Thornton will be in there at that point. And Thornton and Squirrel together starting, that's just going to be crazy. But so that that's highly possible. But I don't know. There just seems to be a little bit of a – there seems to be something concerning about the fact that Thornton hasn't really taken one of those jobs because he's got the – He's got the he's got a better build than anybody at receiver. Well, and the thing that guys like Mike Matthews, for instance, the five-star committed wide receiver prospect, they don't want to hear this. But when Tennessee settles on its receivers, unlike its running backs, they play a lot of running backs. But when they settle on their wide receivers, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that those are the guys that are going to play primarily. Off the top of your head, who was Tennessee's fourth and fifth leading wide receiver last year or slot receiver off the top. Oh, I, think so we, I, I think I can do this. Okay. So we know it was, we know off the top of our heads, we know Ramel Keaton brew and Jalen hot were top three. Yes. But Tillman was fourth. Cause he did start six games last year. Right. I was going to give you that. That's <laughs> why I threw the five in there. Um, I think squirrel was fifth. Cause squirrel got a lot of yards in garbage time last year. And I think, okay. I, I think he finished with over 400 yards receiving. But the point being, if he's fifth and that's garbage time, there ain't a lot of dudes that are making plays when it matters outside of the top three, right? Right, and that's how it should be. I've never understood offensive-minded coaches that want to run like a five-deep receiver rotation. I've never seen it work well. I, I mean, I, everybody talks, and Dave, you were covering at the time. I've, I've talked about this before. Everybody talks what David Cutcliffe did with Eric Ainge. Remember when he took over for Randy Sanders in 06? I yes. thought the real story was what he did with Robert Meacham. David Cutcliffe said, we're not going to go five wide anymore. We're not going to have Chris Hannon, CJ Faton, Robert Meacham, Jason Swain, and Brett Smith. No, we're going to have Robert Meacham as the go-to, Jason Swain on the opposite, and Brett Smith in the slot, period, end of story. That's our rotation. Nothing. That was the first thing Cutcliffe did. And I think that did a lot for Ainge. I think it's a lot better for a quarterback when you when you shorten your receiver rotation. 
I 110% agree. I want to address a couple of things on the message board. All the talk about the receivers is driving uh, <laughs> some of you guys crazy. Tennessee's a running football team. I know that sounds insane, but they're going to set it up with the run. And also Travis says, in response to the Thornton talk, uh, maybe Coach Apple leans a little toward loyalty. He's al- already proven that a little with Joe. So, I can understand that. Uh, Dante Thornton, if he makes a couple of mistakes, which everybody's going to in a new system, that can result in an interception with the way you have to read the safety. So I can certainly understand that if that's the case. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Fred White. His favorite post-game celebration. Did it involve kissing anyone? <laughs> you got a Spanish coach who just laid a smooch on one of his players during the World Cup ceremony. And also the biggest takeaways from fall camp, where Tennessee's offensive line stands. Squirrel White, we're going to talk about him. How big of an impact can he have? And also, I want to get Fred's take on Arian Carter and Tennessee's pass rush, because it's not just one dude anymore, like it pretty much was last year with Byron Young. It's bigger than that. We'll be back in two minutes. Caleb Calhoun, Dave Hooker. Off the hook sports. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut, in downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment, like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard! The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Let's go ahead and bring the man in now because he is phenomenal and the celebrate 98 series continues david leverton to drop here shortly and we've got another special guest coming up as 
man, it continues and it's been a blessing to be able to be a part of it. I can't thank our friends at Tennessee Cider Company enough for making it a reality. You can go to tnsidercompany.com, use the promo code HAT, and you will get a free hat with any purchase. Let me just say this. You can order cider and it's delivered to your home and it's fantastic. And it comes from Tennessee fans. Uh, Do it. TNCiderCompany.com. TNCiderCompany.com. Fred White joins us now. He's got his orange on. Fred, (laughs) it's the week before as a player. First, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's a man, it's a Friday. It's a high school football Friday. So you know I'm going to catch some of the best players in the state of Georgia this weekend. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, uh, I, it's it's an exciting time. It's an exciting if you scout the next Eric Berry like we did, let me know. Um, what's it like being a player and being just a week away? Um, is that I mean, are you antsy? Are you how do you control your emotions being this close? Man, you're tired of hitting on your own teammates. Boy, you cannot wait to see what you can do against somebody else. And I think it's the <laughs> it's the anticipation of just getting a chance to go out there and just waylay somebody. Because, you, I mean, you've hit your teammates in practice, but you haven't really gave them that oomph at the end of it. You know what I mean? So I think now you, you get a chance to just go do it. And it, you talk about anxiety, man. I used to lay my clothes out for the whole week, like I was in high school, just knowing that I got to be clean when I, <laughs> when I go out there for the for the ball walk and those type of things, man, it's, you want to get a chance to go out there and just hit somebody and do something different and just see a different color jersey. Yeah. C- Caleb and I, in, in hopes of uh, getting better, we, we at SEC Media Days when we were together, we just, uh, we just knocked the hell out of each other in the backyard. <laughs> 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 and uh, uh, now Dave you get a little bit older now I want to see you in the hospital <laughs> oh my gosh yeah speaking of I did a leg presses the other day for reps and uh, I can't walk but that happens all right so let's get to it Fred's appearance brought to you by Fred uh, and if you need all state coverage you can do it how do people get a hold of you before we get into the biggest takeaways from preseason camp Dave, they can reach us on any social media platform, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and even X. I can't even say it right. <laughs> I forget that it's yeah. not Twitter anymore. X. <laughs> but you can Just also know that when you watch a video on – oh, sorry. <laughs> you can I was going to say, when you watch a video on X, it's X videos now. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's just single X, so that's just kissing. First base, I got <laughs> – I'm sorry, Fred. I didn't mean to cut you off, but (laughs) second, not even the Skinamax like back in the day, uh, second base. So, but hold on, let me say this real quick. By the way, fans, that was not endorsed by Fred White Allstate. Okay, (laughs) not that part. Okay. But, yeah, you can get fantastic coverage, and you'll be in good hands with uh, Fred White. He will certainly take care of you. Let's get to four downs because we're going to get to the biggest takeaways from fall camp, and we do that right now. Four downs. Four questions. 
Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Biggest takeaways from fall camp. We're going to talk Arian Carter, Squirrel White. Tennessee's pass rush is deep. And Tennessee's offensive line has kind of stumbled down the stretch of preseason camp. We'll get Fred's thoughts on that. It's brought to you by Andy Mason. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Andy Mason has the best prices and best service in the biz. He's in Knoxville. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. A good person that will take care of you. And when I give an endorsement to somebody, I absolutely mean it. I've known Andy, for goodness gracious, like 30 years uh, and over 40 years of experience right there in his office. So let's get to it. Cooper may be sideline on the field, but he can give us the downs. And I know that centers don't call out the snap, but it's funny. Coop here, first down. Thank you, Coop. Arian Carter. He has had a stellar preseason camp. Tell me what you've heard about him, Fred, and also answer this question. The last time that Tennessee had a dominant, not a very good, but a dominant linebacker was blank by your standards. I've heard a lot of good things about him. I mean, he's a baller. He's a football player for sure. He's a guy who can get it, get it down on the football field. He's already been looked at as a freshman All-American, and he hasn't touched the football field yet. So that kind of says a lot about his character and what type of football player he can be um, and his, his potential. I'm going to say that also in that way. Potential means you haven't done anything yet. you got to do it on the football field against a different opponent first. But I think he has the ability to do a lot of those things. We've had a lot of good linebackers that come from Tennessee. Um and I don't have to go way far back, but I mean, you've had an Al Wilson, you have a Randall Thompson, you had Terry Westmoreland, you know, I got to name those guys that, that, that are standard in my opinion. Just Tyrone Hines, you've had a lot of big name guys. You've also had Gerard Mayo, you also had Kevin Barnett. Over the last few years, though, I see someone say Daniel Batuli. I enjoy watching Daniel Batuli play. Um, I've watched Marvin Mitchell, those guys. I watched a lot of good guys play, but I'm going to go with Gerard Mayo because I think when you say great and dominant, I think he may be the most dominant of the last group of guys that I've seen. Good one. Good one. Gerard Mayo. Yeah. I can't forget A.J. Johnson. Yeah, absolutely. I think A.J. played very well as well. He he did a good job also while he was on the hill. But but dominant, that's just dominant, dominant. I'm looking at Gerard Mayo. I got you. Let's get to second down, Coop. Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Cooper Mays here. Second down. <laughs> it's Cooper Mays in case you're curious, Caleb. Uh, so, Fred, we were kind of talking and trying to figure out, because it seems like Squirrel White and Joe Milton just have rare chemistry. Is there any type – is there any receiver that Squirrel White reminds you of who ever played at Tennessee? Because I'm having trouble thinking of one. I feel like he's unique. I think he's unique also, and I, I don't like comparing guys. So I like for guys to be themselves and be who they are and show them what you're going to be yourself. He has a lot of speed, which is good. I think he's a small guy like a Cedric Wilson. Does he run routes like Cedric? No. Does he, you know, he has more speed than Cedric did as well. Um, and you look at the other guys that have come through Tennessee, most of those guys are bigger than him. You know, you go from 
um, Mitchell to um, the guy, I can't remember his name right now, he got hurt against Florida. Um, Justin Hunter and those guys, those, most of those guys are bigger. You know what I mean? Uh, Derek Rogers, a lot of those guys have been bigger. He's one of those guys that's fast and shifty. If you put the ball in his hands, he can get, get away with it. He can remember, I, I could probably say somebody maybe like a um, LaMarcus Coker, but LaMarcus Coker was a running back. So you look at him and say he, he fits the mold of a lot of different guys, but I still think he's unique. And what he can do in this offense is going to be unique. Hmm, pretty, I like the Coker thing as far as just a physical specimen. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's why we have Fred on. That's why he's awesome. Fred White, Allstate. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here, third down. All right, so third down before we get to the one maybe negative takeaway from preseason camp, and I don't think it's all that negative. But the pass rush, I believe, this year is going to be deep. Back in the day when you guys were great, it wasn't just one guy that was a great pass rusher. It was six, seven guys. And you would rotate those in. And you had defensive tackles that could push. It was 10, 11 guys. And I'm not exaggerating for the younger ones out there that may not remember the uh, late 90s. But having a deep pass rush, how much more challenging is that for an offense when everybody's fresh and everybody rushes the passer just a little bit different? Well, I mean, because you don't have to go – 12 plays before you come out or 20 plays before you come out. I mean, you tap and you come out and get a rest. You come back and you, you're fresh. That means you should be able to go extra hard. You need to give me 110% when you come on the football field. That's one of the things that our rotation when we won the national championship and before that, and even after that, you look at how many guys we can rotate in and out. If you were tired, then come out. Because if you're out there playing tired, you got a fresh guy on, on the sideline, I'll take that fresh guy over a guy who's tired any day because you, you have a little bit more push. Now, don't get me wrong. There will be times in the game where I'm going to need my, 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 my stars out there. For, for instance, we played against Syracuse in 1998, and I look up and <laughs> all the starting defensive line on the sideline second win. Hey, man, I called a timeout. <laughs> That's the only time I actually ever called a timeout in the game, but I'm sitting there thinking, uh-uh. No, it's third and four. I need you guys on the football field. What's going on? So I called a timeout, and I had to go get Don Walker, Billy Rattler, and Sean Ellis back in the game. Hey, man, we need you on the field right now. This is important. I think if you look at the teams that – one team has won a national championship the last two years, and one of the reasons why they won a national championship – they had a good offense. I get that. They had a quarterback who was a six-year senior, all those type of things. But defensively, the last two years, that pass rush, they could interchange anybody. They had a group up front that you can just keep rotating in and out. And if you keep bringing a fresh lineman to an offensive line, play in and play out like that, it takes a toll because they don't get to switch in and out, you know, sub in and out like that on the offensive line. You want those guys to have continuity and be able to play together consistently throughout the football game. However, on the defensive line, I'm bringing a fresh body at you and I'm bringing my best every play. That's one of the reasons why Georgia won back-to-back championships, in my opinion. And I don't know if they can – I hope they can't continue that, that trend, and I think that trend is coming our way now. But if you have a defensive line that can rush the passer, it makes your defensive backs better. It makes your linebackers better. 
your complete defense is a different defense where you have guys who can pass rush and get to the quarterback. Yep, great stuff. And let's remember, Billy Ratliff wouldn't have been in the game uh, against Arkansas to create that fumble had Jeff Goldman not come over and said, hey, I, I, I need a break. And Ratliff mm-hmm. ran out there and we saw what happened as Houston Nutt acted like an idiot and Clint Sterner couldn't hold on to the ball because he got nailed by Billy Ratliff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, he didn't get hit. I guess Billy pushed his own offensive lineman, which is almost cooler than just a natural tackle. I mean, to push push an offensive lineman into the quarterback and create a fumble is maybe the coolest thing you could do. And and, and that's, like you said, had Jeff Coleman not tapped his helmet and said, hey, I need a breather, Billy Ratner's not even in the game because it was his set of plays to play. Yep, absolutely. Let's go to fourth down there, Caleb. All SEC center Cooper Mays here, fourth down. Thank you, Cooper. Well, Fred, speaking of all SEC center Cooper Mays, uh, doesn't look like he's going to start the first couple of games. We understand Ollie Lane has moved over to center. I feel like Tennessee's having some issues at left guard. They haven't gotten what they wanted out of Addison Nichols or Gerald Mincy yet. Is it too late for this is it too late to find a solution at this uh, on the offensive line before the season starts next week? No, it's next man up. Next man up mentality has to be your thought process. You got someone has to step up and you'll find out who that guy is. And the thing is, if our defensive line is doing as good as we say they are in practice right now, that would mean you're going up against good talent every week already. And that's something that can help you get better. But also, when you put those, that group of guys up against Virginia, so to speak, you know, when, when those guys are out there, then, then you're going to see what it's like. You're going to see what they're like going against someone else. Um, I think that because of the offense, our defensive line being better than what it had once was and having more depth, I think that has helped also figure out, okay, well, maybe we may be a little bit better than what we thought we were. You know what I mean? And the prime example of that is we play against Syracuse, in 1998, I had to bring that game back up. We didn't know exactly how good we were after that game was over with because Donovan McNabb went for the 31 for 30-something, 30 37 or something like that and had over 300 yards and three touchdowns. And we couldn't get them on the ground. Then you go to the next week and we have four sacks. You know, I mean, like, so you, you don't know how good you are until you go up against other talent. And I think that's going to help us. Um, playing against playing against Virginia and Nashville is going to be the test for our offensive line. And I'm hoping that I feel like they're going to be okay. Um, depth is something that you always got to have. And so that means if you got three or four guys that are close and no one is actually taking the job yet, they're going to get trial by fire. And you need to grow up real fast <laughs> or you're going to lay it down. And if you leave your hat on the mound, somebody's going to pick it up and run with it. Yep, absolutely. Um, excited to say that um, uh, Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han has uh, joined us, and they will be bringing you the Vol Report with uh, Jacob Warren coming up, and it's going to be in season, and it's going to be fantastic. And uh, what, what do you think about that, Jacob? What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. Thank you. All right. What the H? Say wham. Oh, that's the wrong drop. I mean, see, I'm trying to be too fancy. I'm trying to be Beethoven when in reality, I'm just Dave. What the? 
Why was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. So you got this Spanish soccer coach uh, kissing a player after the it's it's a male it's a male coach and a female player. Um, what's the craziest celebration that you can tell us about that you've been a part of, or what's the one post game celebration you remember the most? Because, like the Fiesta Bowl. For instance, I don't know what that was like after the game, but you may have had a hop on a plane. Some of the other great games that you won, you may have had a hop on a plane, but did you ever kiss uh, a teammate after the game? Absolutely not. Why would you even ask me something like that? (laughs) So, So what's the best? What's the best? celebration and first of all if you're on our youtube channel it didn't look anything like this um there we go it wasn't that but what's the best celebration just the feeling of camaraderie you don't have to tell me about something crazy that may have happened because goodness knows we were younger men back then and we did some things that we probably don't want to speak about publicly but what was the best celebration that you remember it may have maybe it was the national championship game you know one of my favorites, a few of them, I have a few of them, but one is watching Peyton direct the band in Alabama. Mm. That was awesome because it had never happened before and it was kind of impromptu, just kind of happened. You know what I mean? And now it's become like a staple of something that if you may have a big win, that's what you go and do as a quarterback now. So I think that was major and just what to be done. In Alabama was awesome. You know, that was amazing. The other thing is we always sung in the locker room after the games. And, you know, we don't give a damn about the home state of Florida or Alabama or South Carolina. It used to be hard for me to say Georgia because I was from Georgia. But (laughs) those were things that were fun. But I remember a celebration that we were singing the song during the game as we were beating the crap out of Alabama and we own Alabama and that we sang their song to them on the football field. Every time the play was made, we own Alabama. So we're celebrating on the football field. Just wanted to, wanted to know that we never lost to y'all and we're leaving this thing five and oh for the guys who were red shirted and four and oh for the guys who came in and started playing as freshmen. So that was some of the best celebrations I've ever had on the football field. Outside of the football field, we'll just leave those where they are. <laughs> so that was, and it was to the tune of Sweet Home Alabama. I used to have a version of that song, and I was chided for playing that uh, on the air. My, how things have changed in, in talk radio. But it was, we own Alabama to the tune of Sweet Home Alabama. You did that on the field during the game? And listen, the first person I heard said they were playing the song at the stadium while we're on the field, and we're, we're whooping that butt pretty good. And Dion Grant says, man, I like that song. Then he starts singing it. We own Alabama. So everybody on the football field, before they're breaking the huddle, we're screaming this song in the fourth quarter. We're singing a song to them on the football field. 
<laughs> Given the, that and the Sean Alexander, that might be y'all's biggest trash talk game, I think, that you told me about, Fred. I feel like y'all were just so mean to Alabama that day. <laughs> well, I mean, for all these years, Tennessee hadn't beat Alabama, you know? When we get to school, it was over. We, we weren't scared of them. And that was, you know, I think that was a part of a – don't get me wrong, they had a lot of talent. A lot of talent. A lot of guys who played NFL football. Um, Fernando Bryant, still a really good friend of mine. Curtis Alexander was one of the other running backs on that team. He was a good friend of mine also. I mean, there's a lot of guys on that team that were amazing. So I look at it now and I say, man, Alabama was the biggest rivalry for most Tennessee fans. Not for me. <laughs> and every time somebody brings up Alabama from around Alabama guys, and they always, you know, how good they are now, how many times they beat us, I always bring it up. I am part of a group that has never lost to Alabama. So you can talk trash to me, but you can't talk trash to the time that I was playing at, at UT because you can go back in history and look at all the teams that beat Alabama five years in a row, and I'm part of it. Pretty strong. Yeah. It's um just to bring you a couple of points in uh, with with the kissing thing. To be fair, some people are bringing up like kissing is a form of greeting in a lot of European countries, so it's not as abnormal <laughs> as we're seeing. And also, Fred, I wanted to see if you watched the Florida documentary because Tim Tebow kissed his roommate Tony Joyner when they were blowing out Tennessee in two thousand seven. And I didn't know this. Tony Joyner apparently just got convicted for like killing his girlfriend like two months ago. And it's got 25 years really? in prison. That's, an, that's another one of the. So between Tony Joyner and Aaron Hernandez, Tim Tebow was hanging out with the best people at Florida. The conversation <laughs> just uh, took a hard left. Turn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but Fred, did you watch that documentary at all? And I what did. did you think of it? I thought it I was did. propaganda, rank propaganda for Urban Meyer. You, you know, you know what you know what I thought about when I watched it. It's the same idea I gave Tennessee years ago that we should have done for our national championship reunion to kind of give an idea of a story, which is why we're doing Celebrate '98 to tell our stories our way. I wish we had done it now because it's this big thing on Netflix and it's untold stories. Same thing we're doing with Celebrate '98, but we're just doing it our own way. Thank you, Dave, for helping me get started on that, and thank you for making this a reality. So if you haven't seen Celebrate 98, you need to go check it out. Same things that are on that video, we talk about a lot of those things, a lot of moments that are different, that people don't under, that have not seen or don't understand or didn't hear those stories. But watching that with, with Florida, I thought, wow, that's amazing. That's an opportunity for a lot of fans to understand that it's just not the football games in practice. We have real lives too. We go through real things as well. And some guys may not turn out to be the guys you thought they were going to be. And some guys may not be alive 10, 15, 20 years later. You never know. Um, and I think that's part of what was great about watching it. I watched the Johnny Manziel one. That was amazing, too. But this one, I watched how all those things they went, to, went through talking about how the workouts were, how tough they were. And it brought me back to what we went through at Tennessee. It let me see what it was really like. And some fans would look at it now and be like, man, that was a little bit harsh. Mm, that was the way football was back then. That's how you got better. That's how you pushed to the next level and those type of things. So, I, I mean, it, even though it was the University of Florida, it showed what college football was like 
back when we played. So, and even and those guys played after me. So I can relate to a lot of the things that happened in, uh, in, uh, in one of the guys I hear them say something about, they got to the point where they got tired of hearing Tim Tebow's name. Tim Tebow against Florida, Tim Tebow against Tennessee. We went through the same things. We had Peyton Manning. Yep. You know, I mean, so some of those same things, though, it was a direct correlation. Um, we had the same type of situations on our own team. Um, we had Peyton Manning. We had people everywhere we went wanted autographs and take pictures and those type of things. It was like watching our version through Florida. Yeah, and <laughs> pardon me. For those that haven't seen it, um, the, the, the one thing that stood out to me, and I did think it was a little bit, it didn't dig deep enough. That that was my problem with it. But the one thing it brought out that I'd never seen before, and I've been around a lot of football practices, and was the was the drill in which basically one guy gets on top of another, like uh, wrestling, if you think about not professional wrestling, but you think about real wrestling, and he gets on top of another guy. And the only drill was the guy on the bottom has to try to crawl somewhere and the guy on the top has to stop him from crawling somewhere. As simplistic as it gets. All mm -hmm. about toughness, desire. That's what it was. You all had to have a version of that drill. What was the one drill that challenged you the most and that you think made people tougher in that time? I think of the Tennessee drill – Maybe that's mm -hmm. it, but maybe there's something else behind closed doors I didn't know about. I'm gonna say the Tennessee drill. It was the Tennessee drill. You know, they this is crazy, man. I had this conversation with Terry Fair just last weekend, which is amazing. We're talking about this. The Tennessee drill. I just realized what the goal actually was. Because <laughs> I thought the goal was to beat your guy and make the tackle. Taylor's like, no, that's actually not the drill. That's not the focus of it. I was like, what do you mean? He said, you got to whoop the guy in front of you, and that's it. Yep. The running back doesn't matter because you got other guys on the football field. And I was like, no. My thought process was to beat the guy's ass in front of me and also make the tackle. And he was like, well, you went a little extra, but that's because that wasn't the drill. <laughs> No, I can remember, you know, because so much happens, especially when you're at practice and you're watching football practice. A lot of times the media has no idea what's going on. I like to think I'm a little above the average, but I mean, there are a lot of times you get you guys do stuff and you can't see from field level and you don't know. But I remember when you were on Tennessee's baseball field at Lindsey Nelson and you guys would do the Tennessee drill and we would have to sit up there in what was left field stands and you guys were in center field and we would have our binoculars and the one time that i could come away with a solid opinion on something was the tennessee drill and who won those drills and i would say that guy's a dog that guy's gonna play that guy's tough now some were you know not able to pick up the offense or the defense or whatever but as far as the toughness of it I remember one, and this is a little random, but I remember Kelly Washington just standing up and being tough. And I know a lot of people don't like Kelly Washington, but I got a lot, I had a lot of respect for him after that drill because he didn't he didn't fade away from it. He took part in it. And there are countless other guys I could mention, but um, 
man, if you if you beat your guy in front of you, that was the guy that I kept my eye on for the rest of preseason camp. You know, I'm, and I hate to say these names, but I'm, I'm got, it is true. It is what it is. I'm, I'm going to call it like I see it. You get mad and upset, you do. Oh, well. <laughs> I watched John Henderson, who was the number one player in the state of Tennessee, and there's a guy by the name of Tim Hodges. And I love Tim. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I remember he this one. He was a number one offensive tackle out of the state of Texas. I mean, both of these guys are bohemians. Six seven is one and six eight the other. These are two of the biggest guys we've ever seen. And they are on the football field when they line up. And listen, we're trying to figure out okay, who's the dog? Man, that ball snapped, and John Henderson drove him 20 yards back. It was like, oh shoot, that's insane. I so swear. I remember that one in my little binoc- yes, in my little binoculars sitting in the left field stands of Lindsey Nelson Stadium. And, and I'm talking about 320 pounds, 6'7", 320, and John Henderson, 6'8", 300. Listen, so it went again because Tim was like, no, nah, we're going to go again. Next snap, he drove him 30 yards <laughs> Fred's not exaggerating. He didn't go back like a couple yards and get his footing, get his cleats in, and hold his own. Uh-uh. It was just a just lock out and drive. And I couldn't – I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I've never seen a guy that big on skates like that ever in my life. And I was thinking – of course, we all realized at that point, like, hey, man, we got a grown man as a freshman. Problem was he was a prop 48. He couldn't play that year. When John Henderson is able to play in 1999, hey, man, we were already dominant foot, you know, on the defensive line anyway. But had he been able to play with us that year, oh, Lord. Yeah. And, I, and I would also say this. I, would, I, I came away from that thinking so much for wondering if he can get low. Because that was the thing mm-hmm. of being 6'7", six, 6'8". Can he get low? And I came away from that saying, that's not a problem. His bend's fine. I will say this, too. It took him a while to get on the football field after that because 99, he was able to play, but it wasn't playing much because we had a good defensive line. You got guys like – and I'm some of these names you may – some people may not even remember. But, you know, of course, Darn Walker, Billy Ratner, Jeff Coleman, Ron Green was one of the strongest guys on the football team. Ron Green did a really good job of, double, you know, beating the double team and those type of things. Sean Ellis, Corey Terry. Man, Fred Weary started out on the, as a defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. And Fred Weary used to beat the double team and split the double team on a regular basis. He could have been an all-American defensive lineman, but he was really good on the offensive line as well. So I think that made it to the NFL and got drafted. So I think he made the right decision. But those guys were amazing up front. And all those guys were wrestlers, by the way, except for John Henderson didn't wrestle. But, yeah, it, one of the reasons why he didn't get on the field in 1999 as much was because he was still playing with a higher pad level. But I think that changed in 19, in 2000 that you saw what type of season he had. I, t- I tell you what, if I had a son that wanted to play football and he doesn't, he wants to make movies. But wrestling would be the thing that I would encourage him to do. Who was oh, – yeah. help, help me with this – Caleb, who was the very, very, very good center? I'm having a brain freeze that played for the Packers for years. Scott Walls. 
Yeah, Scott yeah. Wells. He was he was a center, mm-hmm. and he knew leverage. And he was also very talented, but he knew leverage. Uh, mm-hmm. Caleb, close us out. Anything else, sir? Fred, it's funny you're telling the John Henderson story because I know '99, your last year was the year that was Albert Hainsworth's freshman year too, and obviously mm-hmm. 2001 when everybody's watching John Henderson and Albert Hainsworth in the middle of defensive tackle, and I think to this day. People are like, wow, you had those two guys starting in the middle at defensive tackle in college on a team. I know you say you saw it in Henderson. Did y'all see it in Hainsworth too? Or was that after you left before he kind of came into his own? Oh, he, he, we saw it. We saw it for sure. He, he, talented, very talented. I think John Henderson was probably more brute strength and straight, straight ahead guy. Um, I think Albert Hainsworth was a guy who had all the moves to be 6'6", 300-something pounds. He was something you didn't see. You didn't see guys that big move that fast. I remember watching the University of Georgia had Richard Seymour and Marcus Stroud. John Henderson and Albert Hainsworth, they were like the same of those. I mean, one guy was more brute strength. The other guy was just he had it all. He had all the moves you could have to be that big. He could spin move. He could beat you on the pass rush. He could, you know, all those type of things. Dip and rip. John Henderson, I won't beat your butt. Just line up in front of me. I'm going to take my hands and I'm going to drive you so far back in the backfield that that's it. You know, he he was that type of guy. He was strong as, as an ox. But we watched them. We saw those guys. And we tell people all the time, hey, man, listen, we had John Henderson and Alvin Hainsworth on our team in 1998. And they barely touched the football field. That's <laughs> how good the guys in front of them were. Yeah. And I remember what coach told me. I was asking, I can't remember which coach it was. Just and and that this is how quickly the Albert thing came out, much like the John Henderson thing. I said, What makes him anywhere close to as good as John Henderson? And because John, I think, was uh, higher rated. And the coach said it was just that he hurts an offensive lineman every time he hits it. He had that fast twitch off the ball where it's like after a while, after getting hit hard 25 times, you got to be like, hell, this sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is terrible. He had that fast twitch, like a almost like a, I guess you would think maybe a defensive end getting off the line and rushing the passer, but that's what he had in the interior, which made him different. But they were both great, no question. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you no lie. That dog on Albert Hainsworth was mean as a rattlesnake on that football field. <laughs> he was mean as a rattlesnake. He, hey, man, he, he wanted to whoop you. He wanted to make you feel like at the end of the game that you couldn't block him. John Henderson, it, it, you know, it took him – if you beat John Henderson in the game, then you messed up. You might want to stalemate him first quarter. Just keep stalemating, keep stalemating. If you ever get him for the rest of the game, he's going to give you so much effort because he, he does not want you to know that you beat him in anything. So that was the difference between those two. John, it took him a little bit to get going. If you felt like he played and did something dirty to him or whatever, the rest of the game, he's going to make you look bad. That was his motivation. He got to, like, When he got to the NFL, I mean, you look at it, he, he would have the defensive coaches, the one the trainers, slap him. And not he wanted him to slap him so hard that he knocked blood from his mouth before he got ready to go out on the football field. He needed something else to get to that point, right? But he's such a nice guy. But Albert, mm, that attitude, that meanness was there from the time he touched the football field to the end of the football game. He wanted to, wanted to know he was better than you. 
I could I could talk to you all day, but you've got people to put in good hands with uh, Allstate Insurance. And I know you got uh, work to do. Fred, again, if, if people need insurance, just Google Allstate and Google Fred White and you'll be taken care of. We appreciate you, buddy. And when we talk to you next week, it will be a real, real football Friday with Fred. So, yes. Yeah, have a have a blessed weekend, sir. Fred's appearance brought to you in part again by um, our friends at Tennessee Cider Company. Go to tncidercompany.com. You can get fantastic cider delivered to your home. Use the promo code HAT. Use the promo code HAT. Thank you, Fred. Be well, my man. Happy Friday. Go balls. There we go. He have is one, Fred. Red, white, no one better in the history of former balls being on broadcast. It's not even close. He's so good. All right. So coming up, a pretty good SEC team has decided that they should suspend a player with uh, improper benefits from uh, NIL. Why this is something to keep an eye on, why this will affect week one and why all coaches in the SEC, including Josh Heupel, should keep an eye on this because there are all kinds of areas in which, with NIL, there could be malfeasance. Big word, short break. Caleb Calhoun, Dave Hooker, off the hook sports. Candace, I was, I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. KS has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show, Who? a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. I call this the Florida tradition, <clears throat> and that is a player being suspended for the opening game. And it's something that Florida used to do all the time. And they usually schedule a couple of cupcakes so they could get their discipline out of the way before they played Tennessee, which was at the time the biggest matchup in September in all of college football. So we've got that happening with LSU. And so you're acknowledging Florida State's a cupcake then, which I've been saying. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. I was just. I, 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 guess I, <laughs> I, mean, uh, I, I agree with you, Dave. Florida State is a cupcake for LSU this year. 
For LSU, yes, but not a cupcake overall. We're not talking about Southwest Missouri State who beat the Vols in the NCAA tournament. But anyway. Um, the, yeah. The, okay, so uh, players suspended for NIL uh, improper benefits. Now, here is why you should care if you're a fan of anybody that's not an LSU fan out there because if your school is doing a good job at NIL – and a Tennessee is certainly one of them, there are others as well, then these are one of the pitfalls that are out there. So, Caleb, let me ask you, sir, um, what happened at LSU and describe why a very key player was suspended? It is the stupidest thing in the world. The NCAA suspended Mason Smith for one game because he received an improper benefit that is no longer an improper benefit, but it was pre-NIL in 2021 when he received it during an autograph signing. So the NCAA, he cooperated with the full investigation, and the NCAA said you're suspended for one game. This is absolutely ridiculous. This is grandstanding by the NCAA to try to send a message of, hey, we're still here, so you better care about us. This is the stupidest suspension of all time. It's not an improper benefit anymore. It just happened to be right before the Supreme Court let, made the ruling on NIL. And so the NCAA is trying to take a stand. Okay, so this is essentially me getting a speeding ticket for speeding a year ago. Um, and let's say that back in the day, I'm old enough to remember when they raised the speed limit from 65 to 75. So it would be like me going 74 and getting a ticket retroactively. However, I completely disagree with you. I think that it may be grandstanding. I'll give you that. But if you broke a rule that was a rule at the time and they can prove it, then you should go ahead and suspend them for that reason. If Joe Milton took $500,000 from Michigan four years ago, then he should be suspended. Um, so, I don't have a problem with the suspension, and I'm a little surprised that you do. Now, I think the NCAA, this is one of those instances where they want to look relevant. You called it grandstanding. I, I, I call it, hey, I'm still relevant. I'm the, I'm the NCAA. I, I'm with you on that one, but I don't have a problem with somebody getting suspended for breaking a rule that was a rule when he broke it. I do. I think it's dumb. I think it's dumb. I. It's not like it was – if it was Tennessee where there was massive amounts of cheating before it was a rule, you know, Jimmy Pruitt, McDonald's bags. Okay. You want to suspend a player or, or hand out some punishment? Fine. This was one improper benefit. He fully cooperated with the investigation. Let it go. This is like in Colorado. This would be like, okay, Maryland, they've legalized marijuana. This would be like if police decided to retroactively arrest somebody because they've decided, well, we think you had drugs in your car before marijuana was legal. Well, so what? It's not an issue anymore. And it's not a it no who who benefits from this suspension? What is this what purpose does this suspension serve? Don't break a rule that's no longer a rule anymore. Yeah, but I think there's something else at play here too, because this to me, if I got no problem with him being suspended. I think he should be suspended. But I think there are probably a hundred incidents where this happened. So why do they pick on LSU? 
To me, there's something I don't want to get too conspiracy theorist. I have a habit of doing that. But what could the LSU? What could LSU have done to make the NCAA mad? Where they just want to slap you on the wrist and say, "Hey, you got this. Uh, stay in line." What What could they have done? I don't know what that is. Maybe it has something to do with the Will Wade investigation. Maybe they weren't as compliant. His nose at the. Yeah, I mean, I'm just the FBI. Yeah, I'm just going to go down the conspiracy theorist track here for a second because why did the ncaa pick out lsu when i guarantee you there are a hundred other incidents of this are you are you telling me that nico maybe this anything maybe, beforehand as big as he was are you telling me that before he walked on campus he didn't get anything as a recruit are you telling me that Jaden rashada who is now at miami after going to florida are you telling me he got zero I mean, that's it's hard for me to believe. So why did they pick LSU is my question. Maybe they want to give off the clout of non-bias because there is probably a belief that LSU was protected for years because Mark Emmert was the commissioner of the NCAA who came from LSU. So maybe this is an overcorrection on that end. I mean, I never got the vibe that the NCAA favored LSU. I don't know if you did. I, I've heard people give that vibe that they think the NCAA favored Tennessee dating back to the former Alabama stuff. But and I've never... And I think there's an I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think there's an argument to be made for that, that Tennessee gets preferential treatment from. They also earned it, though. They earned it because they put it. Okay, I'll give you an example. Does the SEC get preferential treatment in the playoff now for college football? And did they in the BCS towards the end? Yes. But they also earned it because for so many years they kept dominating that it just created the idea. I mean, they really are that good. I think Tennessee consistently was always out in front of investigations and self-reporting and working with the NCAA. So yes, did they get preferential treatment? Yes, they did. Does anybody really believe that the, let's not forget the whole academic fraud scandal that led to Fulmer turning in Alabama for Albert Means. Yeah, I'll be the first to tell you, I believe Fulmer did that to get the NCAA office back. And I do think there was probably some academic fraud that happened at Tennessee. But I also think there was uh, Alabama was a bigger fish with what they were doing, and I think Tennessee has bought goodwill with the NCAA over the last 30, 40 years for themselves. Okay, so but that but that's not the way it should be. That may be the way humans work, but I use speeding a lot because I don't speed, and Caleb Calhoun has a very heavy right foot. So, <laughs> so I have a drive to Knoxville today that I'll make in uh, half the time, but. Um, so if I pull, if a cop pulls me over and he said, I got you going 84 and a 75, I'm going to give you a ticket. And I say, whoa, you should have seen me a few miles back. I was going, <laughs> I was going 98 easy. I mean, I was absolutely smoking. Then that cop shouldn't say, okay, well then I'll reduce that 70, whatever ticket it was, that $150 ticket to 75 because you told me about something else you did in fact he should make it more i'm tennessee has gotten preferential treatment earn it or not there is a strong argument if i'm an alabama fan or a georgia fan that tennessee got off easy with the jeremy pruitt situation they hammered pruitt and that may be a trend or whatever, but I can go back to the mid-80s where there was a picture of Sports Illustrated with Neyland Stadium cracked in the middle when you opened the front page next to the table of contents because the the NCAA was about to hammer Tennessee, and they got off then too. 
And they got off other times, too. Every time Tennessee undergoes an NCAA investigation, I we cover it at Off the Hook Sports. We haven't been around that long. But do I ever think this could be huge, major, and destroy Tennessee's program or postseason ban or anything like that? No, I don't. And I don't know if it's because Roy Kramer was from Maryville. That's what people used to say. Or it's because they are so compliant. But who's not compliant anymore? What doofus athletic director would say, I'm not going to work with these guys and I'm going to be incredibly difficult? LSU with Will Wade. They literally did that with Will Wade. They openly refused to work with the NCAA. So you, okay, so we have figured it out. You've proven my conspiracy theory. I thought I was just kind of going out in left field. Think about it this way. Okay. I, when I when I worked for a local newspaper in a small town in Western Maryland, I covered crime a lot. I had a crime beat for a minute. I covered a lot of incidents. Guess what? Judges on sentencings are much more lenient to people who cooperated with the police. They're much more lenient to people who don't have a track, who have less of a track record of committing crimes. It could be. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I hope so. Well, well, I mean, like two people could. If two people are convicted of the same crime. A judge will be more lenient to someone who has a better background, who maybe this was their first crime they committed, or they're at least a productive member of society. They they have a job, they have they take care of their family versus someone who doesn't. Judges take that stuff into account with sentencings. And so if if the legal system is going to do that, obviously the NCAA is going to do that. Yes, when you do things wrong, your behavior surrounding the situation will determine the leniency that comes for you. The most extreme case is this guy named Ray Lewis, who was compliant and just saying maybe got away with something because of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I don't think Aaron Hernandez was helped by the fact that he may have been involved with multiple murders, too, even though he wasn't convicted on all of them. You can't tell me the judge wasn't somewhat aware of that when he handed out the the sentencing. <laughs> Coaches um, with dismissals, too. Think about coaches will dismiss players. Sometimes two players committed the same infraction, but one, it's like their 17th infraction, and the coach is like, all right, you're, you're gone. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Do you think Tennessee got preferential treatment in the Jeremy Pruitt thing? Because not only did he get hammered and Tennessee got off with a fine, no postseason ban, but also the timing of it was pretty interesting. A Friday afternoon when they released that, which is a news dump time for those that don't know. And Caleb does when you've got bad news, you dump it on a Friday afternoon. So it gets lost in the weekend shuffle. And it was right before what has become the biggest recruiting month. And what has Tennessee done since that? They picked up two five-star guys that other sec teams wanted. So is that unfair preferential treatment? If I'm Georgia or Alabama, I'm saying, heck yeah. I mean, yes, it is. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, it is. <laughs> I, I, they got preferential treatment. Okay, your, your least favorite program, uh, Dave, the one you hate the most, Missouri, got a bowl ban in 2019 for the smallest infraction that doesn't come close <laughs> to what Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt did. It doesn't come close. But I think Tennessee has bought themselves some goodwill with the NCAA. That happens. You buy yourself some goodwill, you're going to get some more favorable treatment. So, I mean, look. Alabama had a uh, Auburn, 
Auburn, they would come down hard on because, Dave, you know this as well as I do. Auburn has a history of cheating with the NCAA. I mean, it's a deep, long history of cheating and not complying and doing whatever they can. So if Auburn gets caught doing something, yeah, they're going to get the hammer. They're going to get it pretty bad, too. I'll give you another example. Southern California, what did they do? Uh, what did the NCAA do to the Trojans after they hired Lane Kiffin? You're right. I will, bet, I will bet you right now, if they'd have hired Jack Del Rio or uh, Steve Sarkeesian, well, Steve Sarkeesian on Pete Carroll's staff? Yes, yes. Okay, so not him. If they would have hired somebody that had no NCAA issues, like Lane Kiffin had boiling at Tennessee – if they'd have hired somebody without any NCAA issues and no ties to Pete Carroll's staff, I guarantee you it wouldn't have been 35 scholarships or whatever it was. And I mean, they got hammered bad. Lane Kiffin had no chance to succeed there. They got hit so bad by the NCAA. And I can tell you personally that he was stunned how hard they got hit. And he wouldn't have taken the job and he would have stayed at Tennessee if he'd have had an idea that it was anywhere close to that. But it was his hiring with the hostess gate thing going on that caused them to get hit so hard. So it's like the chicken or the egg thing. But yeah, I guess that further proves your point. Now Tennessee gets away with what they want to. Yeah. I mean, or maybe the incident where they lost Tennessee so much, they were mad at Lane Kevin for leaving Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely right. Uh, All right. So uh, lastly, a new segment on the program that we're incredibly excited about it is, uh, what have we decided to call this? Okay, for the written word, we're going to call it Caleb's Call. But for the show, it's Hooker Picks. Who doesn't love Hooker Picks? I love Hooker Picks. Sometimes it's hard to pick one out uh, from the crowd, but <laughs> those are the good ones, I've been told. So Hooker Picks are now, we're going to have picks each and every week, and it's going to be brought to you by Zen Sports. And my guy, Caleb, is a winner. So you want to tune into this, go ahead and get your You're Zen get sick of winning guys. That's right. Get your Zen sports app. And the cool part about Zen sports is you get cash back when uh, other people that you recommend bet. So it's a uh, pretty cool, but let's start with Vanderbilt, the 17 well, and a half the, form, the format. I'm going to give to everybody real quick. Okay. Every week I'm going to bet on the over under and the spread for every SEC game and every game featuring every game featuring an SEC team and every game featuring two top 25 teams. And then I might add a couple of games if I just if I love the spread and I'll tell you like that's my bet of the week. So that's how we're going to do this. Travis says hooker picks are proof. Burnham it's absolutely right. If a hooker's involved other than me or Hendon. You don't want to be taking pictures. You don't want any recording devices around. Do you remember the Notre – before we get – do you remember because we're going to talk about Notre Dame funny enough. Do you remember the Notre Dame scandal where like three players – it was a Charlie Weiss here – all got arrested one night for like picking up a hooker – or picking up hookers or prostitutes? And I thought, you could have any girls. Why are you picking up prostitutes? And then I remember one of them in an interview later was like, guys, we weren't paying for the sex. We were paying because we knew they weren't going to call us back. <laughs> Well, yeah, and the old saying is you're not paying a hooker to do what hookers do. You're paying a hooker to leave. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, so, and by the way, if, if anybody ever needed a number for an escort, it's probably Charlie Weiss. So I can imagine where they got that number. Because you talk about the most unattractive man that I've ever seen. That's, that's probably the guy. 
All right. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> that guy from top to bottom ain't good looking. All right. So uh, what do we got? Who are our picks for this week? All right. So the only SEC game that uh, which I am legally obligated to bet on SEC games based on our show um, is Vanderbilt and Hawaii. Now, the spread is 17 and a half points over under is 56. Dave, I don't know if you want to hang hour. That's crazy. This one, these, but uh, I can do that. With- um, so is this whether or not I agree? Whether or not you agree. So I'll start with the spread. I think Vanderbilt covers 17 and a half. Hey now. I gotcha. I'm with that. Yes. And for those who question, Vanderbilt beat Hawaii 63 to 10 on the road last year. It's at home this year. Vanderbilt returns everybody on offense. I think they're going to blow them out again. Right. The over under, I'm going over 56. That's crazy. No, Vanderbilt's going to slow this thing down. They scored 63 alone on Hawaii last year. Okay, maybe not. Go ahead. <laughs> and and Hawaii returns – Hawaii themselves return everybody on offense, while Vanderbilt does lose some talent on defense. So I think Vanderbilt's going to give up more points than they gave up last year, but they're still going to score at will. I'm looking at a 45-20 to 20 type game for that. For All, Vanderbilt. Right. All right. All right. So that's the only one I have to make. Now, here are some other college football bets to make. I love – it's a high spread. I still love USC 30.5 versus San Jose State. I think they cover that. I think you want to come out of the shoot and look really good. And if Tennessee had a lower-level opponent, Virginia is not great, but I think that Josh Heupel would want to set that tone for recruiting. And I think that – Southern California will keep those starters in just a little bit longer. So I'll give you a big, Hey now. Yes, I agree with that. They'll score 60 points in this. Yeah. I'm with you on that too. All right. Bet of the week guys. Bet of the week. I'm all in on this. I am all in Navy plus 20.5 Notre Dame. Notre Dame does not cover that 20.5 spread against Navy. Doesn't happen. You're absolutely right. Uh, Marcus Freeman was a terrible hire as a coach. I'm sticking by that. This is year number two for him. He's a player's coach. It's going to start to slide downhill. And he's a player's coach. And I heard him on the Dan Patrick show. Uh, and he was asked, do you know, Dan Patrick asked him just flippantly. He said, do you know the names of all your players? And he said, of course I do. So he goes, okay, who's number 53? And he goes, oh, 53. And he paused. Okay. And he goes, that's Murph. And he and Dan Patrick goes, what's his full name? He goes, oh, we just call him Murph. He could not remember his name, Caleb. And ah, just, and he bragged about how he still benches 315 or 330 perhaps. Listen, I go to the gym. You don't hear me bragging about what I'm benching because I'm old enough and uh, secure enough in my manhood that I know that that's not the best thing for your joints. Once you get past the age of 25. (laughs) So he's still trying to hit it with the young guys. He's trying to be cool. It's going to be a disaster. Don't be surprised if Navy Navy upsets Notre Dame. I wouldn't be surprised either. Last What's year, the money line on that? Because that's that may be my first bet on Zen Sports. Download the app, guys. Do me a favor. Use the promo code Hooked. Okay, Notre Dame Navy. Okay, it's a uh, it's Navy plus eight fifty or it's plus eight fifty one. So you bet hundred, you would win eight hundred and fifty one bucks. It's a that's a hell of a money line. 
Like, (laughs) that's a ridiculous money line. Who in the world? Oh, my gosh. Now, Notre Dame, it's minus 1549. So, oh, my gosh. That that is a payout, man. Um, I would say – I want to add a few things. It's excited. It's like we put cocaine on the table in front of Michael Irvin or something. <laughs> deacon over this. All one. right, so I well let's let's throw this out here real quick. A few things. Um, Navy runs the triple option, so they're going to slow the game down, making it harder for Notre Dame to win by more than twenty. Um, yes. Notre Dame only beat them by three last year. Notre Dame has a new quarterback. You're right; they got Marcus Freeman as head coach, and their new offensive coordinator got demoted from his last job at West Virginia as offensive coordinator. So I don't know why he Marcus Freeman decided to hire him to replace Tommy Reese. And the game's in Ireland. And Navy returns everybody. And so it's – I'm so all in. Navy covers that 20.5 spread. One last over-under, Dave, before we go. I want to know – I want to set it. Ready? Yes. Guys, we're not political at all. We are not. We, I, don't care, I don't care what happened or what you think about last night's arrest. But if you think Donald Trump is 6'3", 215 pounds <laughs> – <laughs> yeah, he said he was six three, two hundred fifteen pounds. Um, What's that? How far off is he? How far off is he? Oh, I think on he's his two, I think he's two sixty easy. I was going to go two forty, but so somewhere in between there. But yeah, not so two fifteen though. Yeah, if we put the oh, he's over two forty, man. You think he's over two forty? I can see his face, and I've seen a couple of golf shots. Again, not a political statement, but own it. I just yeah. got, what if he just went in there and said, "I'm six three three fifteen. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm huge. He's Caleb Calhoun. <laughs> I'm Dave Hooker. I have a fantastic day, everyone. Yes, he's the same size as Derek Henry. The <laughs> message board says he's not. I have a uh, fantastic weekend watching football and uh, know that we'll have you covered. If you haven't set the notifications on yet, do so because we'll have Jacob Warren and Cooper Mays on Sunday to preview the Cavs. That'll be your first preview of them. I always think basketball when I say the Cavs, but the Virginia Cavaliers on the slate. So great preview of them. We will have a huge week of uh, John Adams, Josh Ward, Red White next week. So it's, I'll teach it's John Adams week. about some other rap songs about certain drugs, street names for drugs that he doesn't know about. Can't wait for that. Yes. That MDNA <laughs> got you feeling like a champion. The city that sleeps better slip you an Ambien. Jay Z. <laughs> He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic weekend. We appreciate all that you've done. We're so excited about this season and a little bit more buttoned up in year one when quite frankly i didn't know what the h i was doing uh so he's caleb calhoun i'm dave hooker thanks for being a part of the family and this has been a presentation of off the hook sports lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.